Welcome to Inside Kentucky Health Policy, a podcast from the Kentucky Access to Care Coalition. I'm your host, Ben Keaton. Inside Kentucky Health Policy will feature conversations with healthcare leaders and advocacy groups across the Commonwealth as we discuss policies and legislation that will impact Kentuckians. In this episode, we are talking about the upcoming 2022 legislative session with Corey Meadows, Deputy Executive Vice President and Director of Advocacy for the Kentucky Medical Association. Corey will give us insights into health-related legislation that may be discussed in Frankfurt this year, as well as a preview of the KMA legislative priorities. Corey Meadows, thanks for joining us today and having a conversation about some access to care issues that we're likely to see in the upcoming session this year. Can you uh, can you start by just giving us a little preview of what this legislation legislation what this legislative session is likely to look at like? I know it's going to be a long session, so what does that mean? What have we seen so far, and what are we likely to see uh, this year? Yeah, thanks, Ben, and, and thanks for having me on. It's 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 great joining you today, and I'm always happy to talk about legislative session. As a lobbyist, this is obviously our busy time of year, and so this is this is what I do, and so it's a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, as you mentioned, it is a long session, uh, it, it, and it's called that. It's called a long session. Some people call it the sixty day legislative session. Others call it the budget session. And so uh, it it began on on Tuesday, January the fourth, and it is going to run straight through. Uh, it, with the exception of obviously weekends and, and legislative holidays and other things until mid-April, uh, where we anticipate that they will cover a lot of ground in this particular uh, session. Uh, and for example, uh, there's been a lot of early action uh, to be so early in the legislative session. They just started last week and they've already worked a Saturday, uh, which is is rare. And the reason they're doing that is they had a lot of business to take up um, in the very beginning. Uh, they recently, uh, a few years ago, a couple years ago, or about a year ago, I guess, uh, they had moved the candidate filing deadline up to earlier in January. Uh, but unfortunately, that was it, the timing was a little off this year because they had to do uh, the, the 10 year redistricting process. And so they had a lot of work to do on that. And so they couldn't have a filing deadline um you know, so early in the month of January. So they had to, to really act quickly to move that filing deadline uh, back to the end of January so they could do uh, the, the redistricting plans for uh, for Congress, for the, the state Senate, the state House, as well as the judicial districts. And so there was a flurry of activity, as you might expect, during that first week, uh, the first couple of weeks, and uh, they were able to accomplish those things. They have sent their redistricting uh maps uh, to the governor for review. And so that has uh, really kind of cleared the deck the rest of the month uh, for uh, the beginning the budget process. And that's why we've got these 60-day legislative sessions. The budget process can take a while. Uh, when you're talking about uh, hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars, uh, you've got to obviously have time to have uh, the legislators work through that process to establish funding priorities uh, for the state. And, and obviously, there's a lot of input from different groups on that. So that process usually uh, begins after the governor's budget address. But something happened uh, that was quite a surprise this year that I don't know that many people, at least in modern times, have seen. And that is the House, which is where the budget starts. Uh, the House actually dropped their budget 
in advance of the governor's uh, budget address. Normally, the budget, uh, the, the governor gives his budget address and then he releases his budget. And that's when the legislature begins their work. But again, uh, in a rare move, the House dropped their budget in advance of the governor. And so um, we're going to be able to, to see how the governor's uh Budget priorities actually line up with what the House has released thus far. I think that is an indication, uh, Ben, that um, the House uh, and the Senate, for that matter, fully expect uh, to work uh, relatively quickly with the budget. And there are some insiders who believe that uh, the House could have uh, the Senate, uh, the budget, their version of the budget uh, by the close of the month. Uh, we'll see if that happens. It, it may be sooner and it may be take a little bit longer, but they do expect that they will be working uh, expeditiously to get that budget uh, hammered out in uh, pretty short order, or, or at least as opposed to what they usually do, which usually takes to the end of the session to do that. What does that mean? Uh, that means that uh, that could clear the deck for some other major issues for the session. And many think that if they are able to to address the budget, uh, sooner rather than later, that that could open up the rest of the session for uh, major tax reform, uh, which I know is a priority of, of, of business groups out there, uh, primarily Kentucky Chamber and others. Uh, so uh, it, it, you never want to do tax reform, as they say, unless you know what your budget priorities are and what that looks like. So many suspect that's why they're dealing with the budget so soon is is really to kind of clear the deck to take up on some major uh, reforms with our tax code. Do you see any other major priorities for the legislative session outside of, of some of the health care priorities? We're going to talk about it in a little bit. What else will they be focused on in their in their time in uh, session this year? Well, one thing that that obviously uh, no one expected uh, that the General Assembly would have to take up, but, but clearly will be a, a major priority. And that is, um, you know, to help with the, uh, the, the, the tornado recovery and relief uh, efforts. Uh, Again, no one expected that to happen. I obviously, that was not uh, back uh, before the tragic storms. That was not on anyone's uh, agenda because um, obviously it was, it was unexpected. But now that it has happened, uh, there's obviously a major focus. And I, I think you'll see this be uh, largely a bipartisan effort uh, to assist those communities uh, who were uh, dramatically impacted by those those storms. Um, and so that that will be on their agenda as well. Uh, I think there'll be other uh, issues. There always are issues that that pop up in any given session that that maybe you weren't expecting or a little bit of a surprise from either of the two chambers. But I, I think when you look at it with the filing deadline and redistricting the a budget, tax reform, uh, uh, storm relief, I mean, if if they're able to accomplish that, that's that's quite a bit of heavy lifting, even for a a long session. Uh, but like you mentioned, there's always ancillary issues uh, that that may not make the headlines. That will consume a lot of time uh, that rise to the level of, of priority by the end of the session. And uh, hopefully some of those will include, uh, like you said, some some healthcare related issues. So let's talk a little bit about the healthcare related issues. Uh, KMA uh, is the advocacy group for the physicians in, in Kentucky. Uh, I'm assuming you all have some some uh, legislative priorities for this year. Uh, can you talk a little bit about your all's priorities? A- absolutely. Uh, let me list them for you first. We, we always like to go into each session. And, and have uh, a set of priorities. But like everyone else, you can go in with the, in, the intention to deal with maybe two or three issues. And by the end of the session, you've dealt with 10. Uh, and some you win and, and some you lose. Uh, but we do like to go in 
uh, with a set agenda to give us focus uh, for our advocacy efforts, as, as a lot of uh, trade associations and other groups do. Um, and on that list for this particular year, um, I'll list them first, and then I'll give you some details behind each one of those. If that's okay. Uh, first, prior authorization exemption, uh, healthcare workforce. Uh, an issue or initiative we're calling compassionate patient support. Again, details on that in just a moment. And then a, a, a public health focus on lung health. Uh, circling back to prior authorization exemption, uh, prior authorization of healthcare services continues to be a burden and a, and a barrier to physicians when providing care that their patients need. Uh, we're supporting legislation that would require health benefit uh, plans to what we call gold card certain physicians and providers from prior authorization by creating an automatic uh, approval or exemption, if you will, on a physician by physician basis, uh, service by service basis, medication by medication basis. Uh, and what that would do is that would waive uh, if they qualify, if they meet a certain criteria, if that provider meets a certain criteria, that would qualify them to waive the prior authorization requirements if that provider is approved for a specific procedure or service at least 90 percent of the time. So in other words, if, 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 if based on historical data, if they're meeting that 90 percent threshold of approval, then they get an exemption indefinitely unless they fall out of that criteria. And if they do, uh, the insurer would then have the opportunity to start requesting prior authorizations again. Uh, but this is really meant a way to, to actually help both insurers as well as providers save time, energy, and resources on a, on, on a mechanism that has actually started to be utilized way too much, and that is uh, prior authorization. So we're, we're really excited about that. We know providers need that type of, of reform, and, and we're excited about pushing that. On the health work, uh, workforce front, uh, shortages have plagued our state uh, for years. And um, if, if COVID has, has done nothing else, and it's, it, unfortunately it's done a lot, but it has certainly um, highlighted the fact uh, and exposed or, or exacerbated our healthcare workforce shortages here in Kentucky. And so we are excited to work with relevant stakeholders, including the Kentucky Hospital Association uh, and others, uh, along with members of the General Assembly, to address this issue with, with what we're, we're calling long-term policy solutions. Um, our efforts will specifically focus on initiatives that raise awareness regarding uh, physician wellness and career fatigue, uh, providing financial incentives to attract and retain physicians to the Commonwealth, as well as, um, as, as we normally do, is, is try to address the state's broken liability system. All of those things combined, we believe, uh, can be a, a, a long-term solution uh, and steps in the right direction uh, to solve the, the workforce shortage that we have in Kentucky with physicians, and, and for that matter, for a lot of uh, different providers. The other issue I mentioned was uh, compassionate patient support, and this relates to what a lot of people know as information blocking. Uh, pursuant to the 21st Century Cures Act, uh, providers must deliver uh, complete and immediate data to patients in a common language that can be used with apps and, and other electronic portals. And so in the 21st Century Cures Act, it said that a patient's electronic health information must be delivered to them without delay. Uh, now, that has caused a lot of um, questions to be raised but what, about what does without delay mean? And it's been interpreted to mean uh, immediately. Uh, so barring a permissible exception under that federal law, failure to provide that data is considered information blocking and can result in fines for providers. Uh, 
Uh, now, one permissible exception under the federal law allows providers to temporarily hold information when that information could cause physical harm. Uh, but the federal law also allows states to address another matter. And we want to do this in Kentucky and seek state-based legislation that allows providers to temporarily delay the delivery of certain patient tests, patient labs, and results if providers believe the receipt of those would cause emotional harm. So the, the federal legislation allows you to with, temporarily withhold that if it's physical you know, we also know that test results, if in, misinterpreted by the patient or not not fully understood, or even if it is, uh, unfortunately, a, a, uh, a distressing result, uh, that can cause emotional harm. So we're seeking state-based legislation that would allow providers up to 72 hours to temporarily hold that information to give the provider time to review that and, and reach out to the patient and counsel them or talk about a treatment plan for them. Because what we know is if that patient were to receive uh, distressing information, a malignancy uh, diagnosis or genetic markers for a, a chronic illness, and they receive that before their provider does, that that could obviously cause a distressing result or some emotional harm. So we want the providers uh, to be able to reach out to them first so they can interface with the patient before those results are received. So we want this to be very limited. Uh, you know, in most instances, patients receiving their information is a good thing, and they would still receive this, but it would be with a little extra care uh, that's needed on the, on the front end. And then finally, lung health. Um, as we know, Kentucky has long struggled with diseases and illnesses associated with poor lung health, including uh, influenza, um, cancer, COPD, uh, a myriad of, of issues. And, uh, you know, what really drives that point home is you don't have to look any farther than the American Lung Association's state of, of lung cancer report to see that Kentucky has the highest incident of, of rate of lung cancer in the United States. Uh, and so we want to work on that, obviously, as, as the KMA. Uh, we have begun uh, public service announcements and partnered with with other groups to raise awareness about that. But we think there's policy solutions as well. And there's already been a, a bill filed uh, by Representative Mosier uh, relating to, to lung cancer screening and prevention. It establishes an advisory council as well as a fund that will look to provide services uh, that will encourage people and help people pay for early screening. Because we know that the, the, the quicker that lung cancer is caught, uh, the survival rate goes way, way up as opposed to catching it in stage three or four. And so we want to put a real emphasis on that. And that model actually uh, that is contained within our bill was used, has been used quite successfully in the colon cancer uh, space. And they have really been able to move the needle with this type of legislation in raising awareness, getting screening rates up, and catching cancer, colon cancer earlier and, and obviously saving lives. And we want to do that with lung cancer. So uh, those are our four big priorities. Uh, there'll be other issues of course, but that's that's going to be our initial focus. Uh, speaking of other issues, uh, do you foresee or are there likely to be other issues, either good or bad, that might be considered by this legislature that uh, that might impact health care? Absolutely. Um, just by way of example, we're, we're only a couple of weeks into this session and and we use a bill tracking service, as a lot of uh, groups do. And uh, just to kind of give you a sense of how many health care bills have been filed already, I'm up to 40 pages in my bill tracking uh, report. Uh, and that just goes to show you that health care is I like to say health care is where it's at. And so that means a lot of people want to be involved. 
uh, in healthcare policy and the provision of healthcare. And so, yes, I do think there are a lot of issue healthcare related issues that will be discussed. Will they all get addressed? No. Uh, oftentimes, bills are filed and they need to uh, be vetted uh, for for a year or two before they're ultimately successful. But I do think that there will be uh, obviously a lot of conversation around vaccinations. Uh, obviously, with the COVID vaccination that has really uh, given rise to a debate uh, about vaccinations and their requirement, both in the public sector as well as in the private sector, uh, there's also been some masking-related bills filed as well. So we, we expect that will uh, potentially get some attention. Uh, another effort that's been out there for many years that uh, obviously will be the subject of conversation, and that's marijuana. And Marijuana's use uh, for uh, "quote unquote" medicinal purposes. Uh, the, the the supporters of that bill are obviously uh, intent on on that bill's passage, and there will be uh, those who oppose that. We'll, we'll be engaging in that debate, uh, as has been the case for the last several years. Uh, uh, pharmacy benefit manager uh, or PBM reform uh, is is could be a uh, hot topic in Frankfurt this year. I know uh, that legislation has or will be filed uh, that will uh, look to institute pretty comprehensive reforms in, in that area, which is a continuation of what has happened over the last uh, four or five years. Uh, and then just scanning down through a lot of the bills that have been filed, there's insulin related uh, uh, bills uh, to make uh, insulin obviously more affordable and accessible. Uh, I suspect community health workers will be on the agenda. Uh, maternal and fetal uh, mortality uh, and, and maternal health will be there. And the list really kind of goes on and on. So um, scope of practice uh, is never to be forgotten. Uh, there's always scope of practice legislation that is filed. So uh, it will be a very busy session uh, for healthcare, even though it doesn't always make the headlines. It, it will be a, a busy session for those in the healthcare space. And for those of us that are listening to this and don't have quite the uh, the experience that you do uh, in healthcare government relations, can you talk a little bit about you know what the process? for passing legislation looks like? And, and more importantly, if we want to get engaged in that process to, to help our legislators understand the impact that it may have on, on us as consumers, um, what is the best way to, to begin that engagement process? Sure. A absolutely happy to talk about that. I, I engage our physicians on this a lot. Uh, the legislative process has a lot of twists and turns, but 30,000 foot view, uh, we have a bicameral legislation. And, and so that means that any bill that's filed, whether it's on the House side or the Senate side, uh, must go through both chambers and must come out the other end looking exactly the same, uh, you know, from both chambers. And when that happens, then the bill uh, obviously is uh, has went through the committee process. It's went through floor debate and both chambers have agreed to the same exact language. That bill then goes to the governor where the governor can either uh, sign it uh, into law. That, uh, he or she can veto it or allow it to become law without his or her signature, which is after 10 days. And so it, it does have a lot of twists and turns. Uh, there's a lot of groups that advocate, a lot of lobbyists that that, that advocate on their behalves. And, and sometimes the process uh, can be quick. Sometimes it's a multi-year effort. Uh, but but nonetheless, uh, one of the things that, that I would advise as far as getting involved into that process is you have to know your legislators. Um, there's no better place to start uh, than with your uh, individual uh, House of Representative member and your state Senate member. Knowing them is is a large part of the battle because then you can reach out to them uh, through various modes and cultivate a relationship. So they get to know uh 
the advocate and the advocate gets to know them and what each other's interests are. And that's the best way to start uh, expressing what your interests are on all these particular issues that you might be interested in. But that's the key. You also got to know the issues, uh, know the issues very in-depthly, in-depthly, because these legislators, even though they're citizen legislators and they all have day jobs, and this is more of a supposed to be more of a part time job, uh, they're very knowledgeable about these issues. And so they oftentimes have a lot of good questions probing about the, the positives or the negatives of a particular initiative. And so uh, know the issues well so that you can better educate them when they do have those those questions and follow the process. Uh, it's one thing to reach out to your legislator and talk to them about an issue once, uh, but you really should remain in contact with your legislators uh, during the session, early and often, as I say, but also throughout the entire year, because that only helps you gain trust with them and them gain trust with you. And so follow that bill, follow those legislators, stay engaged with them and, and know where that that issue is in the process. And if you're not successful uh, in a particular initiative that first year, keep trying. And so I, what I tell our, our members a lot is be patient, but also be persistent. And uh, that is a good combination to have when you're involved in the legislative process um, and uh, ultimately being successful. So, yeah, it's, it's an important part of the process. A lot of people are intimidated by it, but it really is uh, actually uh, pretty simple to be involved once you Uh, are exposed to it and see how it works. And I encourage everyone to do that. Well, thank you, Corey. We also encourage everybody to to get engaged. It's the the best way to make sure that the legislation that passes is uh, positively impactful to to the patient advocacy community. Uh, So thank you for spending some time with us today. Thank you for giving us an overview of the um, upcoming legislative session. Uh, And we will be hearing from you regularly during the session uh, as we get developments about how all of our best lead plans uh, go to waste when uh, when uh, things actually get moving. That's right. That's right. It's my pleasure, Ben. And uh, always good to join you guys. And I appreciate you having me. All right, thanks.